Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a great month, isn't it? December just kind of changes the whole atmosphere of everything. We're going to talk about, for the weeks preceding Christmas, about a, what's in a name. What does a name mean? Now, we just dedicated a baby who was given a name. That name means something to the parents. But, you know, to us, a name is a name. But in Scripture, in the Bible times, that name meant something specific. It many times chose the destiny of the child, described the, how the birth was, it, it, all kinds of things to it. And the name many times in Old Testament was just one name. Today we're going to look at the name Jesus, one name. In other parts of the world today even, there's only one name. You and I have middle names, Philip Wayne Goss. There's Jesus. And we're we're given an introduction to that name in Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Could have had her stoned, but he just said, no, I'm not going to do that. Let me just walk away. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means the salvation of God. He will save his people from their sins. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, took Mary as his wife, did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Jesus. What a great name. Now, you see, let me just kind of unpack some of this for you this morning. And we begin with our problem. By the way, you and I have problems, don't we? Yes, you do. And the problem is not the person sitting next to you, by the way. We all have a problem. It's it's habits that we've got that uh, we wish we could break and we can't and we just seem to have to live with them. It's the hurts that we've carried because life does hurt you, doesn't it? And hang-ups. Plus, we're kind of hard-headed. Have you ever noticed that about us? I know you've noticed it about other people, but have you noticed that about you? Hard-headed and hard-hearted. We can be pretty callous sometimes. Horrors that go on in life, hardships, failures, helplessness, hopelessness, all of those things are problems. COVID, your greatest problem today is not COVID. Our greatest problem is sin. For every person in this room, the greatest problem each one of us has is sin. We are the source of most of our problems. In the middle of that word sin is that little I. It creates a lot of problems for us. We want to run our own life. We think we know best. We become judge and jury for a lot of people. And we don't see it in ourselves. 
We don't think it's, oh, yeah, I know sin's there, but I've got other things. No, no, no. The biggest problem we have is sin. Now, the writer in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, wisest man who supposedly ever lived, here's what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. That's pretty inclusive, right? John, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, puts it this way. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So you and I today have to come to an understanding that the greatest problem that we have, the greatest issue that has to be addressed in our life is the sin problem. It trumps everything else. Everything is related to it that we have trouble with. And so the cause of most of our issues, of all of our issues, is sin. And so how do I deal with that? Well, fortunately for us, there is a God who loves us, who made us, who designed us, and He has a purpose for us. So there's two things I want to address about God's purpose, two things that He did to address the sin problem. Number one, He wanted to provide redemption for us. He said, since your greatest problem is sin, I want to redeem you. I want to set you free from it. I want to provide an antidote for it. I want to give you something that you can use to address it. Because on your own, you can't be good enough to get rid of the sin issue. On your own, you and I are not smart enough to eliminate the sin issue. Acts chapter 4, verse 11 Jesus is the one referred to in the Scriptures where it says, the stone you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There are not many ways to God. There's only one. That's through Jesus. 1 John 1, 7. If we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all our sin. Okay, you must not have heard me, or you must not have read it. Cleanses us from most of our sin. All. All our sin. He says, I want to redeem you. And I will take the blood of Jesus Christ, and that blood is so strong and so powerful that it will clean you from all of the sin issues in your life. That I want redemption. He says, I can redeem you. I can buy you back. Sin doesn't have to be your master. Christ came. Jesus shed his blood so that we could be redeemed. But there was another reason that God sent Jesus into this world, another purpose that he had, was he wants to, is pursuing a relationship with us. God loves you. God so loved the world, he sent his only son, right? And so what he says is, I want a relationship with you. Now, we have a problem, though. Sin separates you from God. There is a barrier that stands between in the Old Testament, it was pictured for us in the temple. 
because in the temple there was a curtain that was very thick that hung down, and behind that curtain was the Ark of the Covenant, which was God's presence. And God said, you can't come into here because there is sin in your life, and if you come close to me, you will die. Once a year, a priest could go in, offer blood to kind of cover that sin, and offer a sacrifice. But when Jesus died on a cross, that curtain was torn in two, signifying you and I now have access to God. And what God wants more than anything else is to have a relationship with you. He loves you. And because sin keeps you and I away, He says, we'll redeem that. We'll cover it through the blood of Jesus because it can take away the sin. And now you and I can be part of a family. Okay, you'll get this some point in time. All right. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. In other words, he became a human. Because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children to glory, those who accepted Jesus. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader fit to bring them into their salvation. Through Jesus, we have access to God. So now Jesus and the one he makes holy, the ones he, that have accepted him as Savior, have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to be called them his brothers and sisters. We had before us this morning parents who loved a child that they were willing to adopt them, him into their family. God says, I love you so much. There's a sin problem. It keeps a barrier between us, but I'll do everything I can for you so that that can be dealt with and taken away because I want you to be a part of my family. That's what Christmas is. God addressing our greatest problem. And our greatest problem is sin. And Him saying, I'll send Jesus. He will save His people from their sins. He will provide redemption so that salvation can be theirs. And they and I can have a relationship together as father and son and daughter. And God wants to save us from something bad to save us for something good. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus. Jesus. God saying, look, we got to do something about this. My children, I love them. I want them to come close. But sin separates us. Let's deal with that. Jesus, will you go die on a cross and let your blood be shed? And by the spilling of blood, you have paid the price. And now you will conquer death. And there will be nothing more that will separate them from me so that they and me can be together as a great family. Wow. Call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. What a picture. What a God.
But you see, he, he wanted to provide even more than that. He takes it a step farther. He says that when you do this, and when you accept this, and when you accept my invitation to come into my family, I will provide some things for you. First of all, I'll forgive all your sins. My sins are forgiven. My sins are forgiven. I believe the most miserable life that is lived on this planet is a life that is wrecked by guilt. Guilt weighs you down. And yet all of us at one time or another have experienced some of that, haven't we? All of us has some things in our life that I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have acted like that. I was wrong. Guilt. But God says, look, I want to forgive that for you. And so in Acts chapter 13, verse 8, Peter says, Brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight, something that law of Moses could never do, something that you couldn't be good enough and do it on your own could never do. 1 John 2.12, I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. Wow, forgiven. Not only that, but God goes a step farther. We talked about that a few Wednesday nights ago, but let me bring it up here again. God doesn't just forgive your sins. He forgets them. Something you're not able to do, but God is. He'll take the sins, cast them as far as the east is from the west. So that one day when you and I stand before him, he doesn't see our sins. He sees the blood of Jesus, and you and I are acceptable in his sight. And he goes, what sins? Well, does God really do that? Yeah. In fact, the psalmist wrote in the Old Testament that every morning when you wake up, God has new mercies for you every day. Wow. Thank goodness for that, huh? My sins are forgiven, forgotten. I don't have to carry them around anymore. I am not perfect. I know it's a shock to you. I'm not perfect. But I am forgiven. And God wants us to forgive others the same way, doesn't He? Forgive it, let it go. And so He says, I want Jesus to come into the world so that you don't have to carry guilt any longer. And so that you can know you're forgiven. And I want you to live in that forgiveness. And I'll, forgot, I'll forget all you've done because of what Jesus has done for you. My sins are forgiven. That's really, really big, isn't it? But then he says also, I have stupendous freedom. Stupendous. Above the top, over the edge. I have more than you can understand. I am set free. Sin, here's the way the Bible says it in other places, sin is no longer your master. That's great. I don't have to give in to it. I don't have to let it control me. In John chapter 8, verse 36, he says, If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Now, you see, the problem gets to be with our definition of freedom because we tend to define freedom as, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. We tend to confuse freedom and rights. Well, I have these rights. You and I are free, and here's how Paul describes it, 
are free to serve. Freedom isn't the ability to do whatever you want, because if you do whatever you want, you will end up being enslaved by something. It will end up controlling you. It will end up directing your life. And so all of us struggle with a battle of addiction in one form or another because all of us have issues in our life that we think we're free to choose and do what we want, but in reality, there's other forces controlling us, isn't there? And so that's why God says all throughout New Testament, let God control you. Let the Spirit control you. Because when He is in control, you will do what you should so that you can have true life. And if the Son sets you free, you're free. 1 John 4.15, all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. And we know how much God loves us. We have put our trust in His love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. One day I'm going to stand before God and give an account. You know what? When I stand before God and give an account, I don't have to be afraid because God isn't going to do this motion picture thing on the big screen for everybody in eternity to watch of all my mistakes and everything I've done wrong and all those sins that have been there. He's not going to do that. He's going to say, oh, glad you're here. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I are not separated any longer. Well done. Come on in. Glad to have you home. 1 John 5, 3. Loving God means keeping His commandments. You notice the repetition. And His commandments are not burdensome. They're not hard. They're not heavy. Every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this through victory, through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. See, the world adds a lot of pressure to you, doesn't it? The world tries to mold you into its shape and its ways and its way of thinking and way of acting. But you and I do not have to give in to that because of God who lives within us through His Spirit, and greater is He who is in me than the one who is in the world. And therefore, I am free. The world, no, no bondage. So God says, look, I love you so much, and I really want a relationship with you, and so I'm going to send Jesus there to redeem you and to take care of your sin problem, and you and I will have this relationship as a family. We'll be together. I'll be your father, and I'm going to forgive all your sins and everything you've done, and I want you to live a life of freedom to do what is right, because if I set you free, I came that you could have life to the full. And that life will only be experienced, lived in the freedom that only Jesus Christ can provide. There's one more thing. I also have a secure future. I don't know what 2021 holds. I have a guess. Unfortunately, at the start anyway, it's going to be much of the same, isn't it? But you see, when I look at the future, I don't look to the world for hope. I look to God. And through Jesus, my future looks really good. Because 
I get to live with him. I get to be with him. He's going to take care of me. He's going to see me through this. He will provide for me. He will help me. I am not alone. And one day, I get to go home and live with my father. Not my earthly father, my heavenly father. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. There's going to be some hard times at the end. There's going to be a judgment that is given because sin has to be dealt with. You don't sin and not pay a price. And sin will be eliminated, but unfortunately, Satan will not go down without a fight. And so you and I don't have to worry about that or be concerned about that because God has, will take care of it, and as long as I'm His, He will protect me and take care of me. Okay, it should have been a little bit better response right there. You know, well, I'm not sure. Look what we're going through. Look what's happening. You and I have to quit looking at the immediate present and start looking at what's going to happen in the future. Because our hope and our joy is that one day Jesus is going to return. And our hope and joy is that one day Jesus will take care of everything. And that's not something based on, oh, you're just pie in the sky. No, it's based on what I read in Scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being, and when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Wow. That's impressive. That's exciting. That's Christmas. Christmas is a time where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Not just another baby, but a child sent by God to deal with our greatest problem, to shed his blood so that we could be redeemed and so that God and us could have that relationship and closeness. And God forgives us and gives us freedom and a future unlike any other. That's worth celebrating. That's worth rejoicing. And all of that is wrapped up into one single name. Jesus. Jesus. Maybe you're listening today and you're at a place where, well, I don't know Jesus like that. Well, 
we're celebrating the season of what God views as value, and it's you. He says, I love you so much that even though you don't like me now, I love you, and I'll send Jesus so that when you're ready and when you're willing, if you'll come to me, Jesus paid the price for your sins. He can forgive you. He can redeem you. I want you to come close to me. And if you're willing to admit that you've sinned and that you need forgiveness and that that can only be found through Jesus, God says he'll forgive you. Well, don't I have to do something? Believe in Jesus. God's done the rest through Jesus. And you choose to live for him and not for yourself, which will make you free. And you will have a great future. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.